You are listening to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. This is Kara, your host, and I am so glad you're here. Before we get into this episode, I want you to know that Pathway to Peace, which is a group coaching program, is currently available to join. This program is built on three main pillars. First, coaching. It's the real powerhouse. It's what I do. It's what I love. Second, community. And if you've been around for a little bit more than a minute, you know how I feel about community and the power that it has to heal and change your life. And lastly, I have a library of content filled with resources, with modules, with lessons. We go way deeper than I can go in on the podcast. And these are available to you in a way that you can consume them in your busy life. This program would be a good fit for you if you've stabilized past the point of initial diagnosis and find yourself spending a little bit more than you'd like to in overwhelm. And you can't imagine how, given all the things in your life, you can have any sort of peace ever again. Through the program, you will gain the gift of acceptance. You will do the work to recover your spark. You'll leave the program with the tools and the confidence that you have what you need to have joy and peace part of your life once again. So it's time to change it up. I know you've been saying yes to everybody, especially serving with all your heart and everything you have to your child. Now it's time to say yes to you. Find the link in the show notes to get more information and for next steps. Hi, I'm Kara Riska, life coach, wife, and the mother of four incredible and unique kids. It wasn't all that long ago that my son received a diagnosis that had my world come crashing down. I completely lacked the ability to see past the circumstances, which felt impossible, and the dreams I once had for my life and family felt destroyed. Fast forward past many years of surviving and not at all thriving. And you'll see a mom who trusts that she can handle anything that comes her way and has access to the power and grace that once felt so completely lacking. I started the Special Needs Mom podcast to create connection and community with moms who find themselves up against what feels impossible. My intention is to spark the flare of possibility in your own life and rekindle the dreams that you hold impossible now. This isn't a podcast about your special needs child. This is a podcast about you. If you're a mom who feels anxious, alone, or stuck, then you are in the right place. Welcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Special Needs Mom Podcast. Please excuse my voice. I got myself a little summer cold. And, you know, some of you might relate to after you haven't been sick for like a year and a half, you'd forget how horrible it is. (laughs) It's been a little bit of a rough week, but I'm on, I'm coming back. And so I'm glad to be on this side of it. Let's just say that. I have a really special episode in store for you. And before I get to the details of the episode, I want to make the official announcement for the Own Your Story workshop that I have coming up. It's going to be July 31st, nine o'clock, Pacific time. So it is still available for my Eastern people, nine o'clock Pacific time for three hours, nine to noon. And I'm bringing in 
a specialist for this workshop. Her name is Katie Caseda, and I actually discovered her because I went to a workshop very similar, and it was life-changing. As I am approaching the year anniversary of this show, this idea sparked in my mind about how cool would it be to not only gather women together, actually in community, face-to-face, and to teach them how to tell their story in a way that leaves them feeling more capable, more empowered, more excited. Because I think a lot of us think, okay, it's just your story. It's just like, what is like, like, what's there to do? (laughs) And so interestingly enough, this workshop is going to help you discover the transformational power of rewriting your narrative as a special needs mom. And it's not all going to be focused on being a special needs mom. We all know that that's only part of your story. But the fun thing is at this workshop, you're going to kind of figure out how that fits into your story. And not just for the past, but more so for the future. I'm really excited and I'm throwing in all sorts of perks. The link to sign up is in the show notes. And I do expect this workshop to fill up. So don't delay as an incentive to sign up before July 16th. I'm offering a one-on-one coaching session with me, right? That's amazing, okay? I mean, not to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so amazing. (laughs) That sounds a little bit awkward. But as you can see, as we'll transition into the introduction of this show, it actually is a coaching session. So Kayla is our guest, and I'm intentionally leaving off her last names so that she can remain semi-anonymous She has agreed to share this coaching session that she and I had together with all of you. Actually, initially she came to me and said, hey, how about some more single moms on the show? And I said, hey, that's a brilliant idea. And so she was going to come on and through a series of conversations, she's like, oh my gosh, things are so hard right now and I don't think it's a good time. And, you know, my heart was just like, hey, let's have a session about this. And like, oh my gosh, what if we recorded it for the podcast And so I just really want to shout out all the praises to her for her willingness to have this conversation in front of everybody. I don't think I would have done that, to be quite honest. (laughs) So she's much braver than I am. And you'll see she is having, I think, conversations in her head very much like all of us. And I feel like any one of us that feels like we're stuck or kind of up against something that we don't like, but we also don't feel like we can change it, you're going to relate to her significantly. And so this episode is going to be different. I've intentionally left in some of the long pauses and not really edited at all so that, I don't know, I just felt like it would take away if it was kind of all polished up. And you're going to notice I say and a lot. So those I left in there, maybe I shouldn't tell you that. Now you'll notice it. Shoot. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. Anyhow, you're going to notice long pauses. You're going to notice humans speaking, not perfectly. But you're also going to notice the thinking that's happening as, as Kayla is entertaining new thoughts and new ideas and considering what's possible for her. I think you're really going to enjoy it. It's something I'm considering doing much more frequently And so let's get right into the episode. Kayla, thank you for coming to the podcast. 
And thank you first, actually, for approaching me via, I think it was Instagram. I can't remember exactly, but uh, kind of just saying, hey, like, let's give some representation to the single mom. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So today we have a really unique kind of episode. And so in a minute, I'm going to transition from podcast host to coach. And I'm going to, Kayla and I decided that um, instead of talking about being a single mom, we were actually going to look together at some of the challenges, the current real life challenges that she's having as a single mom co-parenting with her ex-husband as she's a special needs mom. Any thoughts or questions that you want to put in prior to us jumping in? I guess the only thing I can think of is just a little bit of background. Um, So me and my ex have been divorced officially for four years. Um, We separated when my daughter was about 10 months old. Um, So we've been on this journey for quite a while. Um, We both have our own significant others as well. Um, So it's a really... It's a really interesting and and unique situation, but I also know that, you know, people deal with this all the time. So it's something that I wanted to kind of help share my story as well. Yeah, definitely. And statistically, I I thought I was thinking this morning, I should pull up the numbers, but I didn't. Uh, There's a lot of single moms out there, right? And because we know statistically there's a lot, and then we also know there's many children with special needs. So you know, we don't have to do the exact math to know that you're, you're not an anomaly. There's right. a lot of people parenting a child with special needs with somebody that they're not married to or not living with, um, and maybe even don't even like, and we'll get into the specifics for you. And because we haven't coached together, I always like to kind of lay a little bit of a foundation so that you can, uh, understand kind of how it works. And then for the listeners, um, you can know that uh, Kayla has the ability to um, decide whether she wants this aired. And so um, she's completely safe and completely authorizing this conversation to be aired. And uh, but what I do like to put in there normally, what I say is, hey, this is a completely confidential conversation. (laughs) And that this won't be go go beyond like you could be assured. But I guess what I want to assure you that as far as who I am in this space is a safe place to have open and honest conversations. And that I will ask questions that maybe your friends or family don't ask because I'm not your friend, even though I like you, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not coming. We're not meeting together as friends. We've decided to meet as, as coach and coachee. And so therefore uh, it might feel a little bit different. It might feel different to have somebody that one, you don't really know, ask you such personal, intimate, and maybe even like provoking questions. And so just know that you have the authority to answer in any way that you want. If you're like, uh-uh, not going there. Like, we're just not doing that. That's that's your call. Um, I will take your lead on what you want, where you want to go in this conversation. Any questions about that? Okay. So do I have any questions? No, I don't have any questions before we start. Awesome. And then we'll just see how it goes. We will. And then the other thing I'd like to put in there is that a lot of people have the misconception that a coach is um, somebody that's going to tell them what to do uh, or give advice. And I know that was the number one misconception I had prior to 
getting into my profession. And so I like to put in here that uh, a coach is distinctly different than a therapist in the sense that a therapist is traditionally going to be looking at the past and healing the past, uh, obviously, with very wonderful intentions and effective tools. And by all means, everyone knows I love therapy. The difference between a coach and a therapist, as a coach, I'm really looking at where you're at now and where you want to go. Yes, it matters what's happened in the past, but only as it relates to how you're thinking about it now. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But also I like to distinguish against uh, being a, an educator or consultant. Yes, on the podcast, I do some education. However, in the coaching conversation, my role is not as the expert or the authority or somebody that knows more than you do. I relate to you as somebody that has um, has the knowledge of what's happening. And it's really just my job to offer reflections and help create awareness so that you can then essentially make better decisions because you know more about what's kind of running the inner conversation that you're having. So any questions about kind of distinguishing the the different kind of hats some people wear, coaching, therapy, or? No, um, not really. I mean, I, I also love therapy. I go to therapy um, as I can as a special needs mom. You know, that's not always the easiest thing to yeah. fit into your schedule. Um, but no, and that sounds like more of like what I'm trying to figure out with my life currently is, you know, how not necessarily like how to get over the past, but how to not necessarily use the past as the way I'm going to behave in the future. If that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And of course, I'm very intrigued and want to dive in there. But before we do, I want to just actually see um, what, what do you want to get coaching on today? What's coming up in your mind as um, it's kind of what's feeling like it's hard or stuck or not working? Um, so <laughs> um, so my ex has a particular pattern that um, me and my husband have kind of figured out. And he goes through phases where he's really good. And then we get the bad and then we get the worst and then we get the worst. And it's just this pattern. And um, like, you know, when he's not in a good place or what we feel is a good place, he's not making doctor's appointments. Um, he's not letting us know that he's coming um, in our relationship with me, with myself and my ex. We both go to every doctor's appointment um, because we have split households. And I made that decision a few years ago that I'm done being the only person that has to communicate all of her needs or all of her things going on. And that since we don't live in the same household, you need to be there. Um, and he has his excuses all the time. You know, he put the wrong time in or he had another appointment come up. Um, and then it just, it just, it, it just triggers me to get really, really angry. And then I go through a phase where I'm like, okay, well, that's it on, you know, on the days that I'm bringing her to appointments, I'm just going to bring my own people and you can just stay home. And then I get back into that pattern of why am I having to tell you everything? Um, and so it's just, it's just this, it seems like it's this vicious cycle for us that we 
enter into. And I know I can't change his patterns of behavior um, because that's that's on him and he has to work on that himself. But for me, I needed to find a way to create a balance and figure out how to continue (laughs) doing this for the next, you know, forever. But, you know, at least at the very least until she's 18 and we can figure out what to do from there. Um, So that would be another 13 years for us. So. Okay, awesome. When you say figure out a balance, what does that mean to you? Uh, For me, it means just not. A, not getting so triggered by his decisions um, and trying to figure out how to also integrate better patterns for myself for reacting to, to him and his, and the things he has or, and to better organize like how we're going to deal with this as a constant problem because it just goes in waves. Um, the COVID pandemic has really put a damper on this because for my daughter, she's only allowed two parents or two people in an appointment. Um, and previously when we have been in these positions, my mom or dad has always just come with me. Uh, but at this point, I don't want to make them take the drive with me an hour and a half to her appointment and then sit in the car during the appointment if he decides to show up and then turn around and come home. They would do it. It's just, I don't, it's not nice to like, I feel like in my opinion to like, just be like, Hey, you can come with me, but I can't tell you that you're going to be sitting in an air conditioned room or if you're going to be sitting out in the car during the appointment. So. Okay. So we could, we, we could dive into that a little bit, but I'm going to leave that there for now. Cause there's something that you said a little bit earlier mm-hmm. that I want to, want to explore a little bit. So you said, I'm done being the only one. And it was in the context that you were trying, you were explaining to me kind of why uh, it it became the plan that you guys would both attend every appointment. So tell me a little bit about you deciding that you're done being the only one. Um, So my daughter has many complex medical health needs. And so I used to go to an appointment and um, this is back when really it was me and my, me and one of my parents going to appointments pretty much on our own. And then I would have to call her dad to tell him how the appointment was. And my issue wasn't necessarily that I had to tell him. It was that he wasn't initiating the question. Um, it was never a, Hey, how did the appointment go? Or, you know, you know, thanks for going. Do you, you know, what, what do I need to know? He, it wasn't, he doesn't ever ask questions about, what's going on with her medical life. And so I decided that I don't, that, that in itself triggers me. And so my best way to remove that. Pause for a second on that. So you said it triggers you when you think, or when you're thinking, like, what's the trigger? Like what, what's the feeling that happens for you? It's, it's, I want to say anger, but I know that that's not exactly it. Um, feeling like he doesn't care enough is what it makes me feel. Okay. Whether or not that's true, because I'm sure it's not. Well, let's actually just hone in on actually. So it, 
it's probably like a, a subset, a flavor of anger. <laughs> I don't know, but let's actually get really clear on what, what that feeling is for you, what the trigger, like, so I think the trigger can mean a lot of different things. I think what I'm, what I'm hearing is that when you, so you have a thought, I don't know if you're aware of it, Yep. but you said it, he doesn't ever ask questions. And I don't know if you're aware that your actual thought, he doesn't ever ask questions and he should. Right. 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 And this is the belief that is creating the, what you're calling a trigger. And so sometimes it's really helpful to identify, well, what is it creating for you? And let's find a word for that. And maybe we can let it be anger. It doesn't have to not be anger, but you kind of said, that's not exactly anger. So let's see if we can actually find a, a, the best word that you can come up with right now for what the feeling is that you're experiencing. Disappointment. Got it. Okay. I think would be the best word. Um, and when you, you know, oh, go, go ahead. I was just gonna say, cause you know, I have a standard that I, I guess, hold myself to that. I also know is a problem that I, that I hold other people to my, my standard of this is what I feel you should be doing. Yeah, I definitely hear that. And so when you feel disappointed, what do you notice about yourself? What might you do? or not do? Oh boy. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess when I'm disappointed, I just like, I, it, when it comes to my ex, I just, I shut down from him completely. Um, my, my responses to him are very quick and definitely an undertone of anger. Um, and as for me personally, like, I just get so frustrated that I feel like, you know, I'm doing this all by myself. And I know that plenty of, you know, special needs moms, especially whether or not you're with a partner, feel like you're doing it by yourself anyways. Um, so I know that that's, that's common, but like, to me, it's just, it just, yeah, it, it really, it brings me back to like some of the reasons that we are not together anymore and that we did get divorced. And so it kind of, it goes back into, you know, all of that, all of our past history as well. And why is that a problem? Because it's not current. I don't know. That's how I feel. Like it's not, it's not what happened in the past and why we split up. I mean, it had some stuff to do with my daughter, um, but, you know, it was really just a base problem of, of him and myself. But the fact that we're five years later still dealing with the same thing, um, you know, obviously proves that we never actually worked on the issues that we needed to work on, which is now creating a problem with co-parenting. And how would you describe those issues? How would I describe those issues? What do you mean? What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like just the issues of like, I mean, I don't want to get too much into our past, but like some of the issues of like laziness, Um, you know, I was working his, you know, I was working, he was at home and our daughter was in daycare. Um, Can you please explain this to me? 
Um, you know, things like that. Um, so when, you know, when we separated and I decided, Hey, you have to do this now, I need you to step up in this area. And he still is not meeting that. It it just, it just brings all of that back for me. Yeah. So would it be a accurate summary to say that the, what the didn't work in the past was he wasn't doing what you thought he should be doing. Right. That was the problem. And it sounds like that that's still a problem. Yep. <laughs> Interesting. Um, right. Interesting right. how changing the status of your marriage didn't change the relationship. Right. Right. And how, how much where you're at currently, and there's no right or wrong answer to this. It's really just kind of understanding where you're at on a scale of one to 10. How much responsibility do you think that you have for how hard it is and what's not working right now in the relationship and how he's showing up or not showing up for your daughter? I mean, I want to say five, because I feel like everything's a 50, 50. Um, is that truly how I feel? No. Um, that's just I what I feel. Yeah. You know, there's, you said there's no right or wrong answer, but that's how I feel it should be. Um, you want to feel not. that way. <laughs> I want to feel that way. Got it. Um, yes. But I don't, um, I feel like it's a one or a two. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, we've had issues in the past of like, Hey, don't call me to tell me of an appointment, send me a text message. Okay, cool. I do that. I send you a screenshot of the appointment, where it's at, what the time is, all of that. That's in my calendar. And I send it to both you and your fiance. So you both get it. So maybe we can get on the same page. Um, you know, and I mean, I don't, I used to call him to remind him of appointments. Um, I don't anymore because you should have put it in your calendar and that's on you if you didn't, but then I get into the cycle of, but you didn't show up. And so, you know, it's causing me issues and yeah. I but I also, yeah. yeah, but I also don't want to feel like his mom where I'm like constantly calling him to remind him of the things that he should be doing. Yes. So what is stopping you from accepting the reality that your ex-husband, your your daughter's father, doesn't want to go to the appointments and he doesn't want to partner with you on this? It, um, okay, that's a good question. Um, actually, so there's a few things. Um, if you want to take care or have custody of my medically complex daughter, you need to know what's going on with her medically. Um, and that is, that is like huge. Um, I don't know how you can take care of her if you don't understand what's going on. Um, the other part of it is, is in our, in our state, we have this amazing program where parents can be paid to be their kids PCAs. And so I have actually formulated her plan in ways that make it that you need to be in attendance to doctor's appointments. You need to know her medical stuff that's going on just like I would if I had hired my own PCA. Now, not that they necessarily have to go to the appointment, but they'd have to make sure that that they understand and know what's going on medically with her. 
Um, so I expect the same from myself and my husband as I would of our prep PCAs that we do hire. Um, not that it's necessarily on them to, to ask me, hey, how did this appointment go as, as a PCA? Um, but I think those are the biggest barriers for me is that if, if you're going to want to have, especially the biggest thing is the custody. If you want to have 50-50 custody of her and you want to be able to legally make decisions for her, then you need to be informed on how to make those decisions and how to care for her. Yeah. So yeah. what's interesting is the question was, why are you not willing to accept that he doesn't want to do that? That's why. Well, yeah, you told me all the reasons why he should want to. Okay. Do you see that? So, yeah, I do. So it's um, like, I don't know. Let me give you an analogy that's not related. <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. No. <laughs> um, it's kind of like the idea that like of somebody that uh, wants to lose weight. Uh, they know they shouldn't eat and they know they should exercise and they don't. And what they, the, if they accept reality, what they, ex, what the reality is, if they, if they continue in that behavior, those choices, they want to be comfortable more than they want to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad or good about that. That's just an observation. It's just looking right. at what's happening and breaking it down. Like, oh, interesting. Um, because our actions will always follow what are, are they always flow from our feelings and our feelings always come from our thoughts and beliefs. And so when we look at kind of these actions and then the results that we're creating, we have to kind of trickle back up the line. And so what are your thoughts about the reflection I just gave you about how I asked you why you're unwilling to accept it. And you told me why he should accept it, why he has to accept it. I guess that's really interesting because I, I mean, you know, in my head and what I've always thought is that those are the reasons I don't want to, I refuse to accept it because you, yeah, you, you, you committed to this, you know, you didn't have to have custody of her. You didn't have to take her. You didn't have it to have any of these things. And, you know, I guess, you know, another thing for me is that like, I, I don't want to do all of the work when he gets to get the benefit of it, if that makes sense. Um, that's, not? that's why not? Cause that's yeah. unfair. And I, ref and I don't, I don't, I don't, mm -mm. It, it, it infuriates me that that is generally the reality that we live in. And well, here's what's, what's interesting is that you're already doing it. <laughs> right like so you're you're right. trying you're saying i'm going to drag you along whether you like it or not i'm gonna kindly remind you of all the things that you're supposed to be doing but you're not i'm gonna get real mad when you don't and then i'm gonna get even madder more mad <laughs> when you get to reap the benefits of my work but i'm gonna still do it right because i i don't have a choice you know, when it comes to, you don't have you know, a choice in what, like the work that I do for my daughter. Yeah. I, I could, you know, and I have started letting go of some things 
Um, he's taking on some things, some very minor things. Um, but you know, when it comes to like making all the doctor's appointments or making sure that things are getting followed up on, you know, if I don't do that, nobody else will. Um, how do you know? How do I know? Because who else is going to do it? He doesn't even know who her doctors are half the time. Because he has you. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I hmm. uh, my guess is you would never. And I'm not saying you should. We're just playing right. with different ideas. Right. Right. We're, we're examining. Right. So I'm not saying you should be like, OK, you got this, buddy. Um, but what's interesting is it's almost like uh, I'll use another weird analogy, but um. Like I get so, I can get so mad at my kid, my kids, if they're not going to clean up the kitchen and just like go clean the kitchen, be like so mad, throw the dishes around and be like, oh, 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 so mad. Right. You can just picture it. Right. Right. (laughs) Who hasn't done that? And, um, and I can be like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, nobody will. But mm, maybe I like, maybe my tolerance and my idea of how the kitchen should look is totally different from theirs, which it is. And that. I never wait for them to hit their tolerance of how they think it should be so that they actually do say, oh, I want to clean the kitchen. And so I, in my head, I think, oh my gosh, if I don't do it, nobody else will. Yet I didn't even give them an opportunity to try. Like I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that there was another way to do it. Right. And I get that like, I don't want the dirty kitchen and you don't want your daughter's health like it feels very serious because it's your daughter's health care. Right. But obviously it's not working how it's going. No. And so, yeah, you're like, no. And that's <laughs> why, and that's why the idea of like taking examining what's happening and seeing what we might want to like uh, keep what's working. There's probably a lot, but then saying, this is interesting. You've been operating under these these concepts and these, these beliefs, he's not doing this and he should, I have to control him. If, if I don't do it, nobody else will. I think your thought about like, I'm alone being the only one is really interesting because coming from a place of love and compassion, like I get it, like, it's not easy parenting the daughter that you have. And the load is, is, is big, right? There's a lot on your, on anyone's shoulders, but from what you told me, you have a spouse, your ex-husband has a spouse, your parents, it sounds like are willing to go to appointments with you to the extent that they'll go sit in the car, but you won't let them. <laughs> and, and so, but then you have the story, oh, I'm doing it alone, doing it alone. In that story, you're constantly finding evidence for. Right. Because it's really that you're, no one's doing it the way you want them to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I've never necessarily let her dad take over any of the medical stuff. Um, Only because, and and it's really hard when him and his fiance have flat out told me, well, we don't understand a lot of this. So that's why we like you having to do it all. And I'm like, that's not my 
like, that's not my fault that I spent all of this time for the last five years looking up and researching and understanding all of this. Um, you know, but in the same sense, no, I have not let him do that either. Why do you think? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, my immediate thoughts go to things like, you know, if we have an appointment, he's not interactive at it at all. Um, He's not asking questions. He's not doing his own research. He's not showing me that he can necessarily handle it. You know, because there's times when we're in appointments and they'll be like, you know, do you have any questions? And he's just like, nope, nothing. Or like they're trying to get a dialogue going and he's just like hmm, sitting there doing nothing. Um, so that makes me feel like he doesn't. Now, again, this is not true, probably. It makes me feel like he's not caring. He's not doing the research he needs to be doing. So it's hard for me to let go control of some, this big medical piece of her life when I'm not seeing the effort that I'm going to say it this way, the effort that I feel I should see. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for noticing, right? Like the way that you're like, I really want to just say you're (laughs) noticing that the weight that you're putting on it, or like you're noticing the expectation that you have and the way you're looking, the lens at which you're looking says Mm -hmm. you should be doing it differently that you are. And then you're interpret. it sounds like from what we're looking at right now, that you're interpreting the way he's being lack of questions sitting there. And like, I love how you just impersonated the body. Um, Kind of like just I know they can't see it, but it was perfect. I promise. Yeah, it was, you nailed it. <laughs> For those of you listening, she just kind of, you know, slumped there. Like, mm. <laughs> it was great. Um, okay. And like, is you're interpreting this as he doesn't care or he doesn't want to know. And I guess the question I would have is like, what if that's completely not true? What if that's his way of caring? It, I mean, and it, and I know he cares about his daughter. Like that's never been a question for me. Um, you know, my biggest question, issue, concern, all of the above is, does he have the capability to understand her needs? You know, and I mean, drastic worst case scenario, would he be able to handle it if I wasn't here? But what he he wouldn't be able to if I don't give him a chance to, which I know, but that's not the easiest thing to do because I'm a control freak. I will just admit it. I love control. Um, my husband tells me it all the time. He's like, you need to stop. And I'm like, I know. Um, so it's something that I'm definitely like working on, but you know, letting him. I, I don't have, I don't feel like we have the opportunity to let him try and fail. What if it's more that you're unwilling to be with the consequences of letting go of control? That's true as well. And when I say the consequences, obviously I have no idea what would happen, but my guess is that you're going to have to feel some feelings that for you feel very unpleasant or maybe Mm -hmm. even threatening 
and that what you're able to cover with control with the with the experience that you think you have control allows you to avoid those feelings yeah and i mean you know even looking back at my statement yes my daughter is medically complex but if we end up seeing a doctor in 6 months rather than 3 is it going to be a big deal no unless something you know happens generally if something happens we're in the hospital so we'll see them anyways um but yeah no i mean no i don't want to deal with the consequences that could arise if let's say we let him take over her medical scheduling um because i don't know what they are um or what what it what what the outcome could be that wouldn't be good if that makes sense well you i get that you don't know what they are but you've already decided that they're going to be bad well yeah if he doesn't do what he's if he doesn't do what needs to be done it won't be good if he doesn't do it the way that you think he should no, it's not even that. Like, I don't care how he schedules appointments. Let's 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 just say that. We let him schedule doctor's appointments. I don't care how he does it, as long as it's done in the times that it needs to be done per doctor's recommendations. My concern is that he wouldn't do that. And then I don't like those consequences of not keeping in touch with her doctors and not having her appointments scheduled regularly. And, and that kind of stuff, because I don't, because we have two, we have, a, you know, it could be fine and, you know, it, we didn't need to see them that often and it's okay. Or it could lead to, you know, potentially her getting in hospitalized again. And I mean, I don't necessarily want to deal with like how I would feel if, that latter outcome of her ending up hospitalized because the doctor's appointments weren't made ends up happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you said you don't want to, you don't want to see, say that for me again. You don't want to, I don't want to deal with my, it will be flat out anger. um, If she like ends up in the hospital because we missed a doctor's appointment and things we're awry and we didn't know ahead of time. Yeah. So I guess that was the thing I wanted to kind of um, hone in on a little bit. Why don't you want to deal with your emotions? Um, because it will not be uh, because I, I don't feel like a, it would be dealt with in a healthy manner. Um, <laughs> and you know, we already have had, medical okay and i and this might also explain a little bit we've already had medical issues where he hasn't followed through or done what he's supposed to do and it's caused major problems for my daughter um so that might also help un- help you and the listeners kind of understand why i'm so controlling over this medical piece um well i have a question so is that uh an absolute fact like with it, if i called his doctors and said is the reason that she had this health issue because he didn't make this appointment or whatever he didn't do right 
Um, because he didn't dose her emergency seizure medication correctly. Yes. Okay. So is that a mistake that somebody else could have made? If, I mean, sure. If you didn't throw away the medication you were supposed to throw away two years ago. Sure. Um, if I have given, you know, and uh, again, a controlling sentence, but it's going to come out anyways. Um, if you would have done what I told you to do when we got the new dose, you wouldn't have had this problem. Throw away the old medication. Um, but yeah. And so so obviously because we only have our one session here, there's so, there's so many beautiful things to to look at. And here's, I I guess I really want to, um, what I want to put in the space is that here's my hunch is that this is less about what he's doing or not doing, but more about with you as a mom of a, of a, of a child that has the needs that your daughter has of having to be with the feelings and the emotions that come up when you parent her in the sense of like, you are trying to control the experience. You're trying to control the external things. Like he's your like main one, right? Right. Because if you, if you think, if you can effectively, this is how your brain's working. You can effectively control him. Then you can prevent her from having an issue and then prevent yourself from having to feel the impact of that issue, which is my, my guess would be devastating. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I think, you know, and a lot of, a lot of my, my, my concern when it comes to like the medical health of my daughter is her epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her, it's one of her biggest struggles. Um, and it's one that can result in death very, mm-hmm. very quickly for her. Um, and so Right. If, if I don't control at least that portion of her medical experience, or I don't feel like he's informed as well as he should be, it's, it has been proven in the past and it, you know, not that past can, doesn't always dictate current behavior or future behavior, but I think because of those issues, I can't let him, I can't, I need him to do I feel like I need him to do the certain things to make sure that we don't have the same problems as we've had in the past. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think it's your brain's way of trying to control an uncontrollable experience. Right. And that you feel like you have a, um, a better facility with controlling things like her appointments and the things that you feel like you actually do get to make a say on. And the only thing that you can't effectively control besides the actual things happening with your daughter is what he does or doesn't do. And so the finger keeps going over that direction. And I guess I just really want to emphasize like touching this with so much compassion because I know that, I mean, I see it so clearly that like you are doing a beautiful job of compensating for the 
emotional experience that you have had and that you might be afraid of in the future. And so therefore you're doing the very best you can. And I'll say you're doing a phenomenal job and that there's probably a lot of relief for you if your resistance to feeling some of those emotions opens up when what it will relieve is the belief that you have to control everything. And that'll be really relieving because ultimately we all know we can't control everything, especially with our children or with those darn exes. (laughs) And so when you realize that you have, you can stop trying to control the uncontrollable, it's what, what's your, like, what, what does that bring up for you? I mean, it, it sounds relieving. Um, I guess from, for me, like, I don't know what path to take to do that. That doesn't cause me more anxiety or stress, if that makes any sense. So like, okay. So like one thing that we've talked about and I could just say, yes, mom and dad, mom or dad, you guys can come with us to our appointments and sit in the car if he decides to show up. Um, You know, but then that brings on a whole other feeling of like being a burden or, you know, so it, 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 that's, I think where my biggest struggle is, is like, that sounds like a really good idea. Let's do that. Let's stop trying to control him. But then how do you accept what that means? Does that make sense? It does. And I think what it, it helps, I think it will help to say is how we do one thing is how we do everything right now. Your way of being with your emotions is trying to control everybody around you so that you don't have to feel something. And so your thought about being a burden, you're thinking that that might come from what somebody else thinks. So you're going to try to not ask them to do something so that you don't have to feel something. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So it's a clever way of trying to control somebody else's feelings, which we can't do. It's actually impossible in an attempt to control your own feelings. So it's just more control coming up. And so I'd say the pathway, this is great. I'm so glad you, you went here. The pathway is you really don't have to change anything that you're doing necessarily. Like We don't want to necessarily like take away all your supports and be like, okay, good. Now go live in this world, completely vulnerable and out of control. (laughs) Like, eh, I mean, like you could, but I don't know that like, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. And so I'd say that it starts with the question I asked you a little bit earlier of to what degree do you believe that it's like you or him creating this? And I think he's like, I want to say it's 50, 50, but it's really like one or two that you're going to like, your mind's going to be blown. I would say it's actually a hundred (laughs) percent you. And I, and this is not blame. Like just be really, really clear. It's not blame. It's not your fault. Again, reiterating, like you're, you're doing the best you can and you're doing a phenomenal job of parenting this child. I can tell, like, I don't even have to know the details. We all know this. Okay. But really, it's like we think, oh, it's 50-50. And like you brought up the concept, well, it's not fair. And like from that vantage point, you're always going to be disappointed in what he's doing or not doing. 
because you're again, still trying to control him. So when you actually take your eyes off of him and what he's doing or not doing, and you put them on yourself again, not from blame, but you, you decide that you're a hundred percent responsible and in charge of how your experience is your emotions and you let go of his and your daughters and your parents and you let them be responsible for theirs, then it dramatically shifts your experience. And you might be willing to do some things that you're not yet willing to do. I mean, sorry, I'm just trying to think. Take all the time you need. So like, I understand that like, I, I, I am responsible only for me. Um, and I guess, and I, and I'm sure other people, you know, deal with this too, especially when it comes to like a split custody situation. I think things get really murky in our own heads. Um, because, you know, If you know, and, and, and you know, I'll just say this: we've talked to lawyers multiple times about modifying custody, and they're like, "He just needs to keep proving, or you just need to keep the proof, keep the proof, keep documenting. Eventually, it'll be enough." And I'm like, "When is eventually enough?" Um, you know, and I don't necessarily want to let that happen either. Um, not saying that he would fail. Or, you know, it would get to that point. But I also don't want to let that happen. And so, you know, yes, I'm only responsible for me. And I need to work on really internalizing that statement, even though I know it in my head. That doesn't mean that I actually understand that statement or can practice that statement. Um. You know, and, you know, allowing him to sink or swim on his own with some of the tools that, like, I can continue to do, like, sending him appointments and, you know, whatever that may be. Um, I know it would, it would, it would help me in my, how I feel about things. I'm just, it's hard to make that decision to let somebody potentially fail as well. Yeah. And that might be further down the line than we even have to worry about right now. Right. But because it's like almost, it's interesting as it's like when you, when you stop um, trying to control somebody, um, it's when it's so freeing, but then I, you can't predict how they're going to respond. Right. And so it's obviously this conversation is not about him. But right. like you just don't know what you don't know at this point. And so the good news is we actually don't even have to worry about it. You can even keep doing exactly what you've been doing. But I guess, and this is going to be the practice as we kind of look to wrap up a little bit, the practice for you is really just to bring curiosity to your way of being. Two, when you notice that you're sending him that text, of, Hey, this is the appointment, you know, 
be there, be square. <laughs> you're not going to say that, but you're going to be thinking. Right. That's, that's um, how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And, and just notice your way of being, just be curious. Why is it so important to me that he's there and answer the question? Like, so you asked the question earlier, like, do, does he have the capacity to understand her needs? And don't let those questions just linger, like actually answer the question. We'll let that, we'll let you answer that on your own. But, um, so the practice that I, I, I invite you to take on is bringing this curiosity to what's underneath your desire to control and more specifically, what would, or what are the emotions, the feelings that you think you're going to have to feel if you let go of holding on so tightly? So again, I don't, you don't have to let go at this point. Like I'm not saying that that's the next step, right? but just bringing some curiosity to understand what's happening for you. And the reason why this is so critical is because that's, this is where you actually have choice. This is where your responsibility comes in. Instead of looking at a situation and just pointing at him, you can actually take ownership that you are the one that generated the thought that caused you to be triggered. Right. So we remember earlier, we talked about like, you thought he should go to the appointment or he wasn't showing up and he should. So you felt triggered. Well, the interesting thing is, is the actual like simple fact of the matter is he didn't go to an appointment for me, completely neutral. It doesn't matter to me if he goes or not. Like I have no thoughts about that. Obviously you have a thought about that. You have a very big thought about that and it's causing you a lot of emotion. And so when you realize that that is your thought, he didn't cause that thought. All he did was not show up to an appointment. Then you can get curious about why am I so attached to thinking about what he should be doing? What if I, and start asking yourself some questions, like what if I asked him what he wants to do versus telling him what he has to do? And so really, I think it's just bringing, bringing this curiosity and especially around the concept of the 50-50 responsibility and asking yourself a question like, what if I was 100% responsible for creating my experience in this relationship? I think that's going to be kind of the, the leading question. What if you're 100% responsible for creating your experience in this relationship? And that word experience is really critical because again, you're not responsible for what, he, what he's doing. Like you can't be, you're responsible for your experience. What is your thought on that? I mean, I, I agree. Like I am 100% responsible for my, you know, my experience in, in split parenting. Um, I guess You know, I think the the things, it, especially for me too, that I have to explore is, um, you know, like you were asking, like, what does he want to do versus telling him this is what he has to do? And, you know, I guess, 
how the the other thing would be then to figure out how to make what he wants to do work for our situation if that makes sense it does and so before we go figure out how we're going to fix the problem i want you just to allow it to not be fixed yet right so we always want to go to how we're going to do something and i really want you to stay in just the what you're creating and that's the experience that you're creating and so when you notice that you're going to the how just touch yourself with compassion oh I'm trying to figure out how, which is another, I think it's especially tempting for the, those of us that like control. Because if we figure out how we feel probably safe, we have the path, we're in the, we've got it, we have that security. And so again, the invitation is just to stay in the um, intentional vagueness of the how so that you can get clear in the what, because that what will inform, will inform you in who you need to be to create the how, right? Versus letting the how, because the how can be so limiting because right now through the lens that you have, you're like, the only way to do it is that I have to demand that he shows up. I have to blink, 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 blink. And so that's what that's what's informing you right now is the how. And so we actually want to back it on up, really get clear on who you are, who you want to be in the relationship, who you want to be for your daughter, what the experience you want, um, like this beautiful vision of like what you see possible, that's the what. And then we get to let that inform the how. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're going to wrap on up. Any other kind of um, thoughts or questions or anything that, that are kind of left hanging in your mind that you want to make sure we close out? No, <laughs> that didn't sound very confident, but I mean, there's a lot going on in my mind. Yes. Um, is there anything that I don't think that like we've touched on? Not particularly. No. Well, you know, when we asked, when I said, Hey, well, what do you, what do you want? Um, you kind of said, I want to kind of have better patterns for myself. You want some balance. And so where would you say like how, how far did you get in kind of getting what you wanted today? Um, you know, I think, I think it was extremely insightful as to like trying to look at things in a different light and a different perspective. You know, I mean, the, no, I do not think that this is going to, and I'm not, you know, crazy. I'm not going to say it's going to be, if it's going to be fixed as soon as, you know, we're done. Um, you know, this is going to be a process for, for myself to go through. And, you know, I think that, you know, I've definitely learned some tools to try to implement when things happen, not as I feel they should, um, you know, and to try to work at, you know, if, if we can get to a point where we can actually sit down and have an actual conversation, because we're not at that point. Um, you know, really, like you said, asking him, like, what does he really want out of this? What does he want to do? What is, what are his goals and his thoughts and his ideas on what special needs parenting looks like for her? Um, and then, you know, figure, figure out what his 
his thoughts are on all of it. Um, and I'll just put this one last thing in. I just can't resist. It's like just the concept of being, you being available to have that conversation would require you to be, to actually listen to his answer would require you to be unattached to how he does it. Because if you are, if you're listening through the lens of like, this is the right answer, he better tell me this answer, then you actually can't hear him. It blocks your hearing. And so do you see how like, he just has to go be him over there. Like we're not asking him to change at this point, like, or even ever maybe, cause you know, we know that that doesn't usually happen. And right. so it really is like, you see how much opportunity that you have. And um, yeah. So well, I think, and I think too, you know, if, if once I can get to a point of actually hearing him and not judging him for his answers, because that's at this point, what would happen? He would say whatever his answers are and they would, I would immediately judge him for his answers. So working on my reaction to even just him being a human is, is an issue is something I need to work on before that. But, you know, then we can, you know, you know, if I know what he's expecting of himself, it might help me understand what to expect from him as well. Um, If he's not, if, you know, if he's not expecting the same things as I am, from himself, then how, am, how is he going to do what I'm going, what I'm asking of him if he doesn't expect it of himself? Brilliant insight. Oh my gosh. Such a good reflection as you're processing this. And we're going to wrap up here. And of course, um, offline, I'll make sure you have the support you need to keep to implement some of the awareness and, and we'll of course stay in touch. And um, I just want to give you a quick acknowledgement for I'm really blown away at your willingness to have this conversation be something that you're willing to share uncontrolled with the special needs community, right? Like it's, it's a very, very high gradient of vulnerability. And I just, I really want to honor that part of you that's willing to share. And I think it, it really shows who you are in your inner being of being unstoppable and loving and very courageous and like brilliant in in who you are. I I feel like I got to experience the power that you bring to everything that you do. And uh, especially uh, in regards to your daughter and the unstoppability that you have in making sure that she has the best. And so um, I really look forward to kind of hearing more about how this continues to go to for you. And I think you see what's possible. I, it, my, my sense is that you see what's possible for your experience. And so I'll just close out for our listeners is like oftentimes, and I don't know if you came into the conversation this way, we automatically assume something's not possible. And then we go and create it not being possible. But when we can step outside of our own existing thoughts, beliefs, circumstances that feel so hard and we can see possibility like we realize oh that exists even if we only see it very far away it completely changes how we show up for ourselves and so to me it's one of the best feelings ever when you connect to what's possible and so um i sense that you kind of see what's possible for you today and so i'm really glad um that you see that yeah, no, I, I actually, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, you know, we've done some things and we've tried some things to create better paths 
for all of us. Um, and nothing's ever really stuck. And so I think that's where like, I was really excited when you, when you approached this idea to me, because I'm like, I, I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know how else to, to try to figure out how to make this a good experience for everybody. Um, you know, he may be off having his, his good old time and he's not affected <laughs> he by probably it. Right. And I'm sitting here with like steam coming out of my ears. Like, why is this only me? Um, you know, I mean, and again, I don't know. We don't, we, we have talked, um, we don't, we don't get that deep into things anymore. Um, but you know, I just, I really want to thank you for doing this. I, I, you know, I was, I was a little hesitant at first, you know, in my head, I was like, I was like, Oh, well, let's, let's see how this goes. I'll, I'll dip my toes in this, but, um, no, I really think it was a good experience for me. And I just hope that, you know, the other listeners can kind of come through this and apply it into their own lives as well. Yeah. And then just, yeah, as we wrap up, I would say that, um, to the people that listen to this, um, I invite you to see your story in Kayla's, to see where you might be operating some of the similar ways to take on the same practices that she's taking on, to get curious with yourself. And this is the beauty of, of kind of the coaching conversation is, you know, they're not altogether that much different. I could change the name and maybe change a few of the identifying details. And this conversation is not altogether unique. Of course, right. the, the being that you bring to it is uniquely you. And so I will wrap up there because I want to make sure I'm ready for my next client. But um, again, this is just such a privilege. And um, I think we're going to have to do this again on the podcast. So um, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Wasn't that amazing? I know it did, It was long. It was a longer episode. And so I hope you guys all stuck in with me. I want to make sure that all of the questions that you have in regards to the workshop are answered. And the link on the show notes has, it will lead you to a page that has all the details, all the information. And of course, reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm, I'm easily accessible. And if you're new around here, you may not know that I have a group coaching program called Being Mom Together. And just like at the end of this episode, where we talk about when you see what's possible, even if it feels really far away, just the acknowledgement or even just the hope that there is something different available to us as we experience being special needs moms, gosh, that in itself brings so much relief and just feels so hopeful. And hope feels good. Hope is a beautiful thing. And so I invite you to check that out. It's also uh, available via link on the show notes. You can also just schedule a consultation with me where I'll tell you all the details. And I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. Take care. One more thing before we officially, officially wrap up this show. Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I have the experience of wanting more. I'm listening at the very end thinking, I sure wish that episode didn't end. I invite you, if you feel in any way the same way, I invite you to the Special Needs Mom podcast community, which is a free group that I host on Facebook, where we as a community of fellow moms who listen to this podcast and are experiencing life in similar shoes, get to talk to one another, get to share stories, get to actually interact. 
I hope you'll consider joining. See you over there.